Jeff and Rick back with part two of the interview with Ted Seneff. In part one, we left off with Ted telling us about one of many key points in the growth of presence in his work. In that moment, Ted heard this encouragement. There's a right way to do any job. And for Ted, that was bringing love, care, and attention to the moment. So with that, let's pick up the conversation as Ted and Rick talk about the dance with purpose. You know, in, in some of the work that I'm doing right now in helping bring more purpose into the workplace, it's it's really focused on this element that you've you've actually beautifully sort of illustrated here with presence and purpose and the dance between the two of them where what I'm listening, you know, as I'm listening to him, thinking about the work that I'm doing and what we're focusing on is having people pulse on daily, taking five minutes at the end of the day to reflect on a moment that they felt most connected mm. or where they felt that strongest connection between their own personal sense of purpose and the work that they're doing. And, it, and, and basically what we're doing is we are forcing those moments of presence. And then after the course of doing this for three or four weeks, which is, is how our, our series is sort of laid out, you know, the, the intent is that recognizing purpose becomes sort of automatic. But, but it really occurs to me now that it's, it's really the interplay between, you know, presence and purpose and, and recognizing purpose in the work that you do by being conscious and present in the work that you do as well. So I, I love the two of those. And then, you know, just to bring the three P's full circle, it only seems natural that that the passion and the energy and the motivation and the drive and the will to continue day in and day out, regardless of the kind of work you get paid to do, that, you know, that passion will stem from that as well. But I, I'm curious in, you know, all of the years that you've talked to people, because I know you, you've also interacted with, with folks uh, in the workshops that I've seen you do and, and just, um, you know, constantly talking to people afterwards and the one-on-ones and all that kind of thing. Um, where, where do you see or where have you seen that people bring passion out the most or maybe connect to passion? Is there something deliberate that you've seen or, or do you, or do just some people just naturally seem to have passion for certain things that they do? Boy, that's a good question, Rick. I, what I, what I've kind of observed is when people lose themselves in what they're doing, Passion just kind of comes uh, free flowing. Mm. Um, it's 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 almost as though um, they've removed themselves from the equation. They're just doing for the beauty of doing. You know, they're speaking for the sake of speaking. They're listening for the sake of listening. And uh, suddenly, the self involvement is removed. And I think I think. When I'm being self-involved, that that blocks the current of passion. If I'm more worried about how Ted is speaking or how he's performing or how he's being perceived, mm-hmm. it's almost like taking a garden hose and just kinking it over. The, the passion can no longer flow. Yeah, you know, I've, I've always loved about your style, Ted, is just sort of this reckless abandon with which you throw yourself into the moment. Like you get up there and you never know what what's going to happen and what Ted's going to say and and I, I and you've said it before too about how you 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 deliberately do that thing where you just sort of you you remove those the, those more um, ego driven if you will concerns and allow whatever message is going to flow out of you you know to to flow out. So I I love that. Yeah, you know, Rick, I, I think everything in and it's uh, it doesn't always come natural. Obviously, I think I think it's just part of the human journey. 
you know, we're always coming from, uh, to, maybe I'm oversimplifying this, but it's how it works best in my mind. We're always coming from one of two spaces. We're either coming from the space of fear or the space of love. Uh, fear is all about me and survival and how I'm being perceived. Love is just all about giving and flowing and pouring out. Love doesn't concern itself with itself. And I know when I get in that space, that loving space, then whatever comes out, whatever I'm supposed to say will just, will just kind of uh, spontaneously flow from that, from that space and trusting that. And I think that's probably another way of knowing I feel passion when I'm in that loving space. I do not feel passion when I'm coming from that fearful space. I want to just say that right there with the, from an encouragement standpoint, because Ted, what we ask of people who join into the work of trueness is, is a commitment. And it sounds simple. It may, it may not be that simple. And it is just that they are committing to receive encouragement and to give encouragement. Mm-hmm. I, I love what you're saying there because it, in our society, in our work world, it's, it's real hard to give encouragement. It's hard to, uh, to hold on to, to words like love. Yeah. It's actually hard to acknowledge words like fear. I was having a conversation with a a coaching client yesterday, a different one, who has a person that he was describing, and and I may end up coaching this person, but he was describing this person. Basically, you know, what I heard was what you're dealing with there is, is she's acting from, operating from some fear and insecurity. Mm -hmm. We don't know what that is. Mm Some of it's kind of obvious, but, you know, so I was coaching him of how to get into that conversation. And that's so difficult. You know, we just don't do that. We don't get into the fear part when we need to face it, confront it. And we don't get into the love part because we're afraid, you know, uh, that's boy, that's a too touchy feely word. And encouragement, I I guess what you've helped me really see very plainly today is that I'm asking the the listeners to this to encourage. And and that's giving and that's loving and encourage you never go wrong encouraging someone and we're not talking about you know encouraging bad behavior that's not what we're talking about (laughs) you know encourage who the person is and um but i i thank you for sharing all this and for you know the whole conversation so far rick has hit all three of the p's yeah. You know, it's funny, Jeff, we, you, you and I, particularly over the past, I don't know, five years or so, we've, we've, we talk about love all the time, right? Particularly love mm-hmm. in the workplace. And, and so it's, you know, calling love and, uh, encouragement, um, or at, rather, I should say masking it, right? With encouragement. So let's put the encouragement part first, but really what we're talking about is love, but we can't talk about love, particularly in, you know, corporate environments and in the workplace, because that's just like way too, you know, <laughs> Woo-woo. It's been too woo-woo in the past. It's probably going to be a long time before people like embrace this idea of love in the workplace. But it just makes me wonder how often we confuse things because we have to put the, these veneers in front of them that are acceptable to other people. I just was wondering, like, if, if you guys, both of you, and this is really a question for both of you, but, but the ideas of passion and purpose and presence, if, Sometimes that you think they get confused for people simply because we have to approach things a certain way using certain language. Oh, well, no doubt. You know, it takes courage to to break away from either the explicit directions we have to not use certain language or the implicit understanding that we, it's really not OK to use certain language. Both are really inhibiting to, you know, behave our behavior as leaders. As you were talking, Rick, it, it reminded me of a message I got on LinkedIn this week. 
which, by the way, for all those listening, I love to be encouraged, too. Okay. So anyway, just a little hint. It's like hinting for, <laughs> hinting for what I want for Christmas, you know. But anyway, so I get this message, and it's from a chaplain at uh, a VA, a Veterans Administration location. And my last post, Ted, was called Presence, Working mm. Love. And he said, I read Presence, Working Love as a centering moment at the beginning of our hospice weekly meeting, and mm-hmm. it was just perfect for that environment. And I, you know, and he, he had more to say, but I, I just, what, you know, I, I just admire that courage to say, you know, here's something, and it's perfect for this. It's a, and even to say, we need a centering moment. Yes. You know, just really cool. And, you know, that, that, we need, that's the, I guess, well, if you think about the word encourage, okay, if we break it apart, which I won't go into all that, but just keep in mind, courage is such a huge part of that. Yes, absolutely. And courage comes from the word courage, which is French for heart, you know. Mm. It, it, when you talk about heart and courage and love, those, that, we're talking about very courageous things. And, and Rick, to your point, you know, I always found that you, you always have to speak the language of the people that you're with mm-hmm. in the beginning. Uh, because that's what you do if you went to a foreign land. You try to speak their language as much as you can so you can communicate. But as time evolves, trust builds, and suddenly uh, I think the language uh, expands, and you can start using more and more words that are acceptable. And, and what I've always found is when the heart speaks, heart listen, other hearts listen, and people are hungry from their heart to hear what they need to hear and to be able to speak what they need to speak. You know, because I think everyone has got that guard on what's what's politically correct, what's corporately acceptable. And at the same time, we're we're so starved for what really makes us come alive. You know, I I had a a coaching client, one of my just had the most pleasure working with this this gentleman for many, many reasons. One on one is where it all started. But then other things I've been privileged to do in the organization. But he early on, he said something to me. He said, I contemplate the fictitious nature of the work world. Mm-hmm. And I was like scratching my head over that when I'm going, OK, I just heard something very deep and wise, and I'm going to have to really dive into this. And as I got to know him more, I, I understood what he meant, but I also understood how that applied to all of us, because this is a gentleman who is not afraid to love. Now, we all have a picture. When, when I said that, we all got a picture of some guy loving in the workplace. And it's probably not anything like you pictured. Mm -hmm. It's very unique to him. It's very much focused on the work. It's very much focused on having, you know, a vision and strategy for the work and then acting on that and being very accountable for what we do. And in a very positive way, not that negative way we use accountability and all this kind of stuff. I mean, if you were to watch him, you'd say, Oh, so that's what it is to have a brand of love. Mm -hmm you know, in your work as a leader, because this guy is at the top, he's the boss. And it's just been such a privilege to to watch and observe and therefore then write about what I see in a leader like him. And so, you know, we're we're throwing these words around. And for those of you listening, don't hear them in the sense of how you've always heard them. Right. Hear this in the sense of who you are and what that means to you, because that's your brand of love. Yes. Well put, Jeff. Very well put. 
Well, I, I like that we've talked about trust. You know, trust is something that uh, that I like to focus on. And I think trust, you know, definitely breeds authenticity and allows people that kind of space. Mm-hmm. And when we say authenticity, right, that word gets used a lot. And, and I think uh, sometimes people don't like the word authentic self. What does that mean? But, you know, for our purpose, it just means being real, right? Like be who you are from the center and the core of what is most true to you. Let that come out in the work that you do. So, Ted, what what would you offer as we close out today? What would you offer to the listeners in terms of encouraging them to find that true self and bring that out in the work that they do? Now, obviously, it's not something they're going to be able to do in five minutes, but what, what would you offer to folks to get them started maybe down that path? And if they're already down that path, like to help them uh, find that even more so? Well, I, I guess going back to the story about Jim Rohn in, in one sense, you know, it's hard for me to offer my true sense if I've not even revealed my true sense to myself. And I, I think that only comes out if we're willing to do the work. And, and I would really encourage people to come up with some. You don't have to dedicate 30 minutes every day, and it doesn't have to be reading. But I would encourage everyone, do something deliberately every day that nurtures your spirit, whatever that means to you, that nurtures your soul. Something every day, and out of that will emerge your authentic self that's truly who you are. And once that emerges, it, it's so easy to give. And suddenly, everything becomes uh, so much easier in life, including our careers. Uh, I just came across this quote actually just before we got together today from uh, David, Dr. David Hawkins, but it speaks to the sense of the power of presence. And if we're willing to work on that, and how effortless success can be like he, like he said it doesn't have to be something we pursue it can be something we attract and what dr david hawkins said was this he says why is true success so relatively effortless it might be likened to the magnetic field created by an electric current running through a wire the higher the power of the current the greater the magnetic field that it generates and the magnetic field itself then influences everything around it in strong and powerful ways so if I'm willing to do something deliberately today on a daily basis to evolve that sense of presence, which is really my authentic self, I truly believe that, out of that, success becomes relatively effortless. And the right thing to say becomes almost spontaneous. And the right thing to do just becomes really evident. And I think the way we can know that uh, presence is taking a stronger form in our lives, Rick, to, it, in closing, is, you know, what are my first thoughts every day when I'm waking up? If my first thoughts, my first waking thoughts before I'm even out of bed is about my to-do list, I'm obviously not very present. I'm very externally driven. So I want to, I want to capture those moments to think about something relevant. And speaking to your, your beautiful thing about encouragement, I think we start by encouraging ourselves. So what if waking up every morning, I did this little ritual, uh, that sounds so simple, but I think it's very life-changing. Instead of letting my mind drift immediately to all the things I have to do that day. What if I dedicated the time when I first woke up until I brushed my teeth just to be thinking of things that I'm grateful for? What if I just did that? Encourage, be encouraged about my own life just as it is. And, and I could be thankful for that I have a bed to get out of. I could be thankful for I have running water when I turn a tap. And if I just spent those moments, suddenly out of that, out of, out of that self-encouragement, presence evolves. So I would encourage, uh, Everyone, I think, like I said, do something deliberately. And I think one of the most powerful times to change our lives is when we're first waking up and just as we're going to sleep at night. How am I using that time? Maybe I use the time as I'm drifting off to sleep to be 
reviewing the day and being grateful for things throughout the day. Or like you said, Rick, thinking about times when I was truly, totally connected to what I was doing at work and at home and just being thankful for those things. Uh, presence, presence to me is, is everything. Great. Well, we, I, I love it. You brought us right back to where we began. And that's what, that's what we want to do in these. So, Ted, thank you so much. And, and Rick, always thank you for being a partner in this. And, and, and Ted, we'll have to definitely thank you for, Rick, I don't know how many years it is, has been for you, but it has been years, mm-hmm. plural. And we are very appreciative of, of what you've meant in our lives, in our work, Ted. So thank you for being the first interview. Well, I appreciate and admire the work that both of you are doing. You're, you're, you're literally changing lives. And, uh, and when you're changing lives, I think you know that your life has meaning.